football, <laughs> baseball, <laughs> basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. This is a scoreboard, WGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming on WeagleFM.com, this is a scoreboard. Brand new year, brand new soundboard. Same two guys, same two roommates, hitting it on the airways. Baymark sitting alongside Jacob Hillman. It's been a long time since we've been on the air, Jacob. It has been. Very long time. And I'm very thankful for Weagle getting this new soundboard, constantly upgrading here in the new studio. And it's State-of-the-art facility. It really is. Yeah. Um. I mean, a lot has happened since we've been on air, folks. Just think about it. Last time we were on air was before Thanksgiving, so not only did Auburn end its season by losing to AM and Northwestern, they hired a brand-new head coach and football staff, which we will get into in our first segment today. Alabama and Florida faced off in the SEC Championship. Devontae Smith won the Heisman. Bama went on to win the college football playoff. NFL is down to his last four teams for the Super Bowl. Sharif Cooper was freed. All that and many more, and we will talk about as much of it as we can today on today's show, The Scoreboard. If you want to call in and talk about any one of those, please feel free at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. That spells out Weagle. So, first thing on the agenda today, Jacob. Just like this soundboard, brand new, coach on the plains, Brian Harson, coming from Boise State. It's not Boise. I learned that. It's Boise. Boise. That's what he said in his introductory press conference. I'm surprised we didn't know this from back in 2007 whenever they were winning all these games and yeah. when Kellen Moore came through. Like, I'm surprised that that wasn't a bigger deal. Or maybe we've just forgotten about it since those times. Yes. But regardless, he played there as well. He was a quarterback there. Brian Harson's track record there was phenomenal. He had been the head coach since, I believe, 2014 because he was the head coach at Arkansas State in 2013 after Gus Malzahn left. Um, and Auburn actually faced them in 2013, if you remember when Arkansas State wore those gray uniforms. <laughs> immediately started off the game with an unsportsmanlike penalty. I don't think I've ever seen that either. Me neither. But anyways, has a great career at Boise State as their head coach, and now he will lead the Tigers in 2021 in his first season as the head football coach of the Auburn Tigers. And today, as a matter of fact, filled out his 10th um, staff spot, so his staff is done, it is complete. And two of the biggest names, obviously, are going to be the two offensive coordinators with whatever staff you get. And Jacob, offensive coordinator Mike Bobo and Derek Mason will be the defensive coordinator on his staff. Yeah, and I'll start off with Derek Mason. I loved this hire. This guy was the head coach at Vanderbilt for a while. Wasn't so successful as a head coach, but prior to that, he was at Stanford where he led some incredible defenses out there in the Pac-12. They played in some Rose Bowls and whatnot. Derek Mason, I think, is going to be an exceptional hire when hindsight is twenty twenty. He seems to be a great coach schematically and recruiting-wise. He he knows the South. He even knows out West. Looking at the offensive side, Mike Bobo. I'm not as in love as with this hire as the Mason hire, but I know that Bobo can recruit. He Auburn, can. Auburn might be able to get the South Carolina decommit Gunner Gunner Stockton. Gunner Stockton. Yeah, because he just decommitted from South Carolina. So. If, if you start off by getting a five-star quarterback, that's a really good start for Mike Bobo here at Auburn. And you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that when it comes to on the field, that's what I'm most concerned about. We've seen his offensive you know, sputter at times back when he was at Georgia and other times, but 
we'll, we'll see what happens here on Auburn. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that is because that was a big deal with the Gus Malzahn staff was, well, they are recruiting very well, but that product's not getting put out on the field. So I do understand that concern with Mike Bobo. And you have to remember, you bring up the point about recruiting. Bobo recruited several people to Georgia, including some big-tier names of Detroit Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford, former Georgia great Aaron Murray, David Green alongside AJ Green who has been a great run, or great quarterback or excuse me wide receiver in the NFL, excuse me. And then Todd Gurley who's put his mark in the NFL as well. So, he's brought in all these different players to an SEC team. He's been in the SEC for a long time. Um, he was the first coach in Colorado State history to lead the Rams to a bowl game in each of his first two seasons as well. He left his impact on the Rams when he was there and he's only been at South Carolina for a year, but you could tell that even when Auburn played South Carolina last year, it just seemed like there were different dimensions to that offense that the Kevin Steele defense wasn't ready for. So, personally for me on the offense side of the ball, I'm not super worried, but I won't be um, right where I guess I'm looking for satisfied until I see what Mike Bobo can put on the field. Yeah, I think that's more because Mason's I'm at. proved it really right. And I think that's more of where I'm at is that I'm very much neutral because I know he can recruit and I know that he can work well on the field but I've just seen too many times where it fails that in the back of my mind it's going to stick there until he does it well here at Auburn. Now another really big coach and a really a spot on Auburn's team that has really been a uh, very unpolished area you could say for the past several several seasons has been the O-line. Um, there's been seasons where Auburn's had the talent and hasn't had the talent but regardless Auburn hasn't had that blue chip rating that they would like to have compared to other SEC schools. So Auburn brings in veteran coach Will Friend to coach the offensive line. He comes from Tennessee. Um, you saw where a few of their D linemen decommitted after he left. I know one of them was Wanya Morris, who actually played high school football uh, with Owen Papo and was a highly recruited offensive tackle. He left after Will Friend left. So that just tells you a lot about him. Um, I think he's going to be a great recruiter. He's going to put a lot of guys out into the NFL as well. Um, so I'm really excited for Friend. Well, of course, Tennessee had one of the better offensive lines in the SEC in the country last year. He had a lot of guys with size, and he coached them up well. Of course, they didn't get a lot of hype after the start of the season when Tennessee really kind of collapsed. And we're not even going to get into today. We're not even going to get into the disaster they are now. But the the offensive line was solid, and Will Friend had a lot to do with that. He was there for three seasons following his stint at Colorado State as offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. So I do like this hire as well because we've seen him be successful in the SEC. Yeah, and I mean, just like I was mentioning with Tennessee, you have all SEC first-team lineman Trey Smith, who's bound to be a starting left tackle in the NFL one day. And Wanya Morris, like I was mentioning, him and Darnell Wright, who were both teammates, also made the all-freshman squad in 2019, and Morris was named a freshman All-American. As freshmen, they were named to the all-SEC teams. So, and another interesting thing about him, do you know where he graduated from? I do not. University of Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Interesting. You like, you like how I put the Tuscaloosa UAT. in there? UAT. He graduated from there. But <laughs> I, I have a lot of confidence in him just seeing what he's done, especially at Tennessee. It gives me a lot of hope because Auburn really hasn't had a lot of success there. And Jack McNell last year in his first year, he came in with a very uh, fresh and new offensive line besides Nick Brahms. And Bicknell's offensive line had a time or two where it looked solid and then other times really looked atrocious. So uh, I definitely think that's going to be the biggest area of work. Other coaches that were named to the Auburn football coaching staff, three former players uh, for the Auburn Tigers are on this coaching staff. New defensive line coach Tracy Rocker making a return to the Plains, not only as a 
uh, player, but he was also a coach recently. Zach Etheridge, who was on the 2010 National Championship football team, he was a starting safety, and you guessed it, he's going to come back and coach the secondary, more specifically the corners. And then staying at running back, the only coach that has been retained so far, Carnell Cadillac Williams will continue to coach the running backs. I like all of these. I really I agree. do. I think Tracy Rocker, you mentioned, not only as a player, as a coach. Guess who he coached? Nick Fairley. Sure did. Lombardi Award winner. Won a bunch of First one since him. Exactly. Yeah. And I really think that this defensive line has so much potential. Colby Wooden, you've got a ton of guys. Derek Hall. That are going to be. A bunch of the young guys, yeah. That are going to be trying to improve themselves because they're young and they're pretty raw, I think. And I think Tracy Rocker can really help them take that next step. Looking at Zach Etheridge. I think that he's one of those guys. He's he's he's. I don't know how to take this. He he doesn't have a ton of experience. He was just recently at Houston, but I think that with his success as a player, I really believe that he can turn it into success as a coach. Of course, Cadillac Williams, you got to keep him so you can keep Tank Bixby. And yeah, I think that exactly. Cadillac is really good at developing these guys. And my goodness, is he a recruiter? Yeah, and I think. And this is a little off topic, but I'll come back to the original point. I think that's a real big reason why a lot of people wanted to keep Travis Williams at the linebacker coach because he can recruit in that relationship he's had with the players. And he's been here a long time, and he understands it. But um, so do these former players. And getting back to them, I'll start out with Cadillac as well. You mentioned Tank. Tank was one of the only bright spots Auburn had last year when he was healthy. Um, I really think that he put together one of the best freshman seasons from a running back at Auburn we've seen in a long time. And I think retaining Cadillac was good for that. Cadillac, like you said, is also a great recruiter. Um, and that's going to hurt, too, because not only did DJ Williams leave, but Harold Joyner left. Mark Anthony Richards is still in the transfer portal, and that means 99% of the time they're not coming back. So that leaves you with two scholarship running backs and Sean Shivers and Tank, um, with Tank probably going to get the majority of the starts next year, obviously. So um, it, was very, it was a very big necessity to get him back. Moving on to Tracy Rocker, like you mentioned, biggest bright spot with him, he coached Nick Fairley, one of the most dominant defensive tackles in Auburn history, if not the most, with Derek Brown and all of them up there. You can argue that. And Tracy's been in the SEC for a long time. He's coming from South Carolina, just like other coaches on this staff. He understands what it takes to recruit around this uh, deep south area. I have a lot of confidence in him. And then you look over to Zach Etheridge. And I like the point you make about the experience because that was something they brought out, brought up about Brian Harson in his introductory press conference. Um, a lot of reporters said, well, what do you expect with not being able to have a lot of experience down here in the South with recruiting and playing? And I think that was going to be the big question mark with Etheridge. But it doesn't concern me as much because, like you said, he's young. He understands. He's been here at Auburn. And apparently this past week he made a big impression on the team uh, in a team meeting when he was introduced to them. So, um very excited about them as well. Is there anybody else on this staff? We have a few more minutes till the break. Is there anybody else on this staff that you'd like to point out that you're really excited about? I mean, I really think that we, we kind of talked about that a little bit before the show, Cornelius Williams. This is an interesting hire because he isn't as, you know, polished or experienced as a coach as you would expect. He's been at Troy for the last few years, six years total. So he, he coached under Neil Brown and the last few years under their new regimen. But... The big thing about him, he's from Hoover, and right up the road. I think that's I think that's an interesting thing because I, you know, other than Cadillac, how often has Auburn had Alabama ties in their coaching staff? Usually, it seems to be a lot of guys from Georgia or Florida or elsewhere. And now you're getting a guy from you know Alabama territory. I think he's going to be an interesting, the most interesting hire because of what fans have. You know, a lot of fans have complained about Cody Burns in the past several years. A lot of fans complained about Damian Craig when he was at Auburn. 
it's going to be interesting to see what he can do and see if he can improve on that and really, the big thing, develop the wide receivers. No, I'm in the same boat as you. I, th- I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, he's more in a kind of prove-it situation. He's definitely got a chip on his shoulder. And um, one person that I wanted to point out was Jeff Pittman, the brand-new strength and conditioning coach. Ryan Russell obviously has been at Auburn for a very long time. Um, I don't know if he was here during the Gene Chiswick era, was he? I believe he was. He probably wasn't the Not the coach, but he was here in a, some capacity. He so he was here for a while, um, and he had a great relationship with the players. I mean, they would always say, built by Russell. Um, and I think this hire, you could argue, was more than or just as important as the coordinator hires because he spends the most time with the players developing, getting stronger, getting faster, getting more athletic, and he's produced NFL talent. So I'm really excited about him as well. He's been doing strength and conditioning at the collegiate level for over three decades now, and like I said, that relationship that he builds with those student-athletes is going to be what translates onto the field um, outside of the coordinator's capacity. So that's somebody I'm going to keep my eye on. But um, overall, I guess before we go to break, I just want to ask you real quick, how would you grade this this class of – Harson's new staff being in Auburn. He's yeah. not, he hasn't even yeah. been here a month, and he's already yeah. filled out his staff. It, it's interesting. I it's hard for me to say because I feel like I could. There's some A's, there's some C's. I'm gonna have to go right in the middle with a B, and maybe you go B plus B minus, whichever way you want to go. But I'm gonna say a B because I think a lot like the coordinators, they're gonna recruit really well. Some of the position coaches, I think that they're gonna be great at developing their players. And then of course you have some. People that really wanted to retain Travis Williams. We talked about him just slightly. And I think for me, it's about he needs to go expand a little bit. He's been at Auburn for so long, and I think it's time for him to really go out, do his thing as a linebacker's coach somewhere else, or even as a defensive coordinator. And hey, listen, maybe he'll be a future Auburn head coach or defensive coordinator. It's very possible. Because, I mean, they mentioned Gene left, Gus left, and they both came back. Um for me, I would, I'm in the same boat as you. The only re- I'm leaning a little more towards B minus. The only reason is, I mean, you look at the staff, and I mean, it's like you picked a handful over here from South Carolina, and then you pick a handful from who was already with him at Boise, and then a few other guys here and there. The only reason I don't rate it a B or a B plus is because we talk about all this experience these coaches have and what they have done in the past, but it's about putting it out on the field as a collective effort. So it's not going to happen year one. Year two or year three when things start getting ramped up and Harson starts getting those recruits in, which we need to see how Harson and the staff finish signing day here in February, I think that's where my grade improves for them. So right now I give them a B-. minus. If they can put a product on the field that proves it or proves me wrong, then we'll see. Yeah, and last thing before break, this is not going to be like Gene Chizik or Gus Miles on turnarounds. This is going to take two or three years to really get competitive in the SEC. You're not going to see a national championship team in the next two years. I completely agree. It's going to take some time, but it might be worth it. Just hang on, Auburn fans. On the other side of this break, we are going to talk about Auburn basketball. They said free Sharif, and he is free. We're going to talk about him and a lot more about Auburn basketball. On the other side of this break, this is Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live from the scoreboard. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Jacob Hillman, joined by Bay Marks as we are moving into the jungle, which has been a socially distant jungle so far in 2020 and 2021. But as Bay talked about before the break, 
the big thing, Sharif is freed, and man, has he been special. Man, it's just, it's, we were talking about this, it was like, who is the last Auburn men's basketball player to have such hype around his debut with the Tigers and then live up to it and yet exceed those expectations? I mean, he's been everything that we've been told about and maybe even a little bit more. I agree with that. I think that Sharif Cooper has the potential to not return. Don't no, stop for a sophomore no, season. No, stop. Well, I'm just speaking the truth, Bay. Okay. Would you not want to see him come back next year with Javari? I would. Trey Smith and everybody on the team now. JT Thor. You don't know how much money I would pay to watch that. Oh uh, no, I know. Trust me. That's what I'm saying. Is that I think that he's just the way he started has been incredible. I mean, he's averaging over 20 points per game in four SEC games. He's almost averaging a double-double because he's dropping assists like crazy. Yeah, he's a, he's a beast. He's grabbing rebounds. And look, he's not like a liability on defense, even though he's only 6'1", 180 pounds. No, he, he gets after it. He's got active hands. He's, he's just insane. His averages, I mean, he's shooting the ball at 40%. Early in the year, like the Kentucky game, yeah, he wasn't very efficient. And he's not, 40% isn't too great when you consider that from three, he went one for seven, 0 for four, 0 for five, and two for six. And so he's three for 22 for the whole year. But he's still so good at creating opportunities for his teammates, and he has the court vision to find those open teammates that it, it kind of doesn't matter because, I don't know, it's just it's so fun to watch. Yeah, and he came out into the Alabama game and started, obviously, and then there was a story about uh, Jamal, Devin, I think somebody else offered. I think it was to, Alan Flanagan. And Alan, yeah, they offered to give up their starting spot for him to play. So Bruce ended up playing him, and um, I, I wish it was a packed out jungle. He would get such a nice reception. It would that would have been that would have been an incredible moment, and that's what that's what. And to really, see him drop twenty six in front of the jungle, like in that exciting game. I mean, that's what really Auburn could have won that game. I know with the jungle. That that's what really sucks about not having. The capacity nine thousand one hundred twenty one plus because of standing room only in Auburn Arena is because you know if Streep doesn't come back he's not going to get to play in front of that. Also, you lose games like you did against Alabama without that crowd. Yeah, we talked about that last night after the game was. Um, I we were sitting there talking about it, and it, I said if we were going to lose games like this, this is the year to do it. Auburn has a postseason. Oh, we actually didn't even get to talk about this because this happened while we were studying for finals. Um. Uh, we didn't talk about this on the show, but Auburn University's men's basketball team self-imposed a postseason ban for this year, meaning after the regular season's done, I don't even think they get to go to the SEC tournament because no, they can't win the SEC tournament. So um, Auburn basketball won't be participating in any postseason play this year due to the allegations against former coach Chuck Person and everything going on with him. So Auburn self-imposing that ban, and I, we talked about it. If any year we we're going to do it, it's this year during COVID, young team, um, so that's why I was talking about after last night's game. I said, you know what? I was like, if we're going to lose games like this, this is a great year to do it. Shreef, you know, he's kind of having to carry the team right now. Everybody's young. Shreef can see that and say, hey, I want to play in at least one postseason before I leave. He comes back next year with top three. Some are arguing even the top prospect next year in Jabari Smith. Trey Alexander, a great shooting guard at Oklahoma. And then everybody you got now back, like JT Thor, Alan Flanagan, Justin Powell when he's healthy. I mean, that's a sweet 16 Elite Eight team right there. Yeah, of course, Auburn falling at Arkansas last night, 75-73, blowing a 19-point lead. That's why that loss is so frustrating, even in a year where it's not going to matter at the end of the day because you're not, you don't have resumes to worry about, no net rankings. You're not worried about any brackets. 
but it's still frustrating just because you had a chance to beat a team that has been so up and down this year. Of course, they came to Auburn Arena back in December, scored 97. I the defense think, did look a lot better in the first half. You're right. And the offense looked great, scoring 43 in the first half. And I, I just think the second half, like you said, the defense looked way better in the first half than it did in the second half. Yeah, and one thing, and I mentioned this to you last night, was towards the end of the game, the three biggest frustrations for an Auburn fan was with two under two minutes ago, Auburn had three different men shoot free throws, and they went three for six. So they leave three points on the board there. Reminder, Auburn lost by two. Second thing is Auburn gets the final possession of the game and has the ball with about 20 seconds left, and we dribble the clock all the way down with nine seconds left and then let Sharif do a simple pick and roll. It's terrible execute or not terrible execution. Terrible play design or concept, but also I don't understand why you don't go ahead and do that. If you miss, you can foul, get the ball back, and whatnot. And third was Bruce Pearl not calling a timeout. That's that's been my I love Bruce Pearl just as much as anybody else, but that is the only thing that aggravates me more than anything else is his inability to call a timeout when his team needs him. You're right. And look at that Alabama game when the last last minute or so, about forty five seconds, and Dylan Cardwell, he had a leg injury he was dealing with. I don't know what it was. He came back the next game, but he was on the ground. He was literally having to limp his way to set screens and do whatever, and Coach Pearl would not call a timeout. And then we end up throwing up two threes with Sharif at the end of that game, too. So, I don't know. It's, it's very frustrating. And then when you look at it is Auburn's had Sharif Cooper for four games. Auburn looks completely different as a team with Sharif Cooper on the floor, and they've gone two for two, and they both their losses have been of a combined six points, four to Alabama and two last night. So, I don't know. It's it, I feel like it's a different thing every game, but you're going to get that with a young team. Yeah, you're right. And honestly, we haven't talked about Auburn basketball in season this year. So like to really put it all together and what I've really thought is just that, yeah, it's a young team. You're also, you've had to deal with Cooper not being eligible for the first month and a half. You've dealt with Justin Powell getting injured right as or a week before Cooper comes back. And a loss. Yeah. I mean, that old, I remember that old Miss game, where it was, you had Leor Berman playing meaningful minutes, and that's not to discredit Leor. No, Berman. knock to Leor. Yeah, he, he played great, but he's a walk on. Like yeah. you're not, you shouldn't have to be playing walk ons. But Auburn had to do that because of injuries, eligibility issues, and whatever it was. So, I just think that's Auburn needs to get through this season healthy, and get these guys as much experience as possible. I looked at the box score from last night. Sharif Cooper played 37 minutes. But then the other starters all played 24 minutes. JT Thor, Jamal Johnson, Alan Flanagan, Jayla Williams all played 24 minutes. Cambridge played 23 off the bench. It had one point. Bench production Ignore was that. very lacking last night. It was. Night. Other than Javon Franklin returning to his home state, he went three for four and two for two from three to score eight points, and he had two blocks. And then Dylan Cardwell, he's been so efficient off the bench defensively. And then Chris Mora also played 12 minutes in stretch. Akin Bolas played nine minutes. Of course, you're not going to be able to distribute that many minutes whenever Justin Powell comes back. But all that matters is that these guys are getting minutes, and they're at least showing flashes out there. Of course, Cambridge didn't do great last night, but against Kentucky, he was probably Auburn's best player. He's the player of the game for sure. He's just very streaky, and that's where I think it comes to a point where you either become a consistent player or you're not. And once Justin comes back, if Justin picks up right where he left off, especially with the way Jamal's played this year, he's not going to get a lot of minutes. And this is what I told you last night was, in a season like this, you got to remember, 
not only is Auburn's leading scorer out dealing with a concussion, and not only did Auburn just get their five-star point guard back, but Auburn's also without a point guard who they were expecting to be their starting shooting guard this season in Turbo. He transfers ten game, not even 10 games into the season um, due to Justin Powell and Sharif, but, I mean, it could be a lot worse. It could be. It could be a lot worse. I mean, Auburn winning against Kentucky and Georgia were big wins for them, and only lo- – I mean – Auburn should have won last night. They, they were should up 19 have. at one point. They yeah. were up 12 at halftime. But Arkansas is a good team, especially at Bud Walden, even with only 4,400 in attendance. Even in a down year. They would even consider this a down year. Yeah, exactly. That it, It's not a big deal. What I look forward to is looking ahead at South Carolina Saturday, a middle-of-the-road SEC team. Then you host Missouri, who has been super up and down. They beat Tennessee in their first or – I forget what they did, but they won, then lost by a lot. We don't know what Missouri is. You're, you have them at home. You need to win that game next Tuesday. And then you travel to Baylor. Baylor is, you know, when it comes to the national champion, you're taking Gonzaga or Baylor or the field. Yeah, exactly. And you, I don't expect Auburn to go in and win by, or lose by less than 10. Auburn needs to go in there and be competitive, though, through most of the game and lose by less than 20. Do better than what you did against Gonzaga when you lost 90 to 67. And also you got to remember Gonzaga is the second game of the year in an empty arena without Sharif, Cooper. without Sharif. And you have a freshman point guard. That's normally a shooting guard. That's six, six and Justin Powell happened to take the workload. Yeah. And I mean, he did great in that game. And then you have a JT Thor who also JT Thor is just now kind of breaking out of his shell. Dylan Cardwell wasn't really a present. So they were leaning on stretch who stretch hasn't really been as productive as late. So, I agree. I don't expect Auburn to go in there and lose by... First of all, let's get this out of the way. We don't expect Auburn to win. But we also don't expect Auburn to lose by single digits. We'll right. get that out of the way, too. Baylor is an insane team this year. I mean, you've got Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler. Former uh, Auburn Tiger, Dar- Davion yeah. Mitchell, in case you were wondering. And, and there's a lot of other guys that that team has that are just insane. Of course, Gonzaga was in the same position. they got three guys that are pretty much up for the, for the Wooden Award and the Naismith Trophy. I, I think that Baylor and Gonzaga will face each other in the national championship. I think that's – I would set that in stone. Like, that's what my bracket's going to have unless something drastic happens between now and then. Let's look at some happy times, though. Let's look at the future. I think Auburn might have three first-round picks after next season. If Sharif stays. If Sharif stays. Which I'm crossing my fingers he does, especially with how this season's gone with him. Sharif Cooper, Jabari Smith, and JT, JT Thor. Thor. JT Thor – Think about it. He reclassified from 2021. He's supposed to be going to his senior prom in two months. Yeah, he is. And he's here at Auburn playing lights out. Last night wasn't his best performance defensively in the second half. But that's going to happen when you have like a, a 17, 18-year-old kid out there playing. And I, I, I really think that JT Thor is going to take that next step next year. I think he's a top five player. He was at least a five-star in the 2021 class. Or, or yeah, in the 2021 class. But 2020 class, he was like top 50 still. Yeah, and he's he's kind of that guy that got, Auburn got late in the recruiting cycle, and then ev- he because he was like a top or a top player in that class, and then when he reclassified, he dropped in the rankings. Obviously, but he was still a highly recruited player. But now you're seeing his defensive presence, not even in the paint, and obviously in the paint, but he's stealing passes at the top of the key and taking breakaway layups. That Kentucky game was that performance was incredible. Kentucky was a great performance. He actually had a his defense in the second half last night was not good at all. But besides that, his performance last night wasn't bad but I agree I, th- I think with his potential and his NBA ready body if he can put a little more meat on his bones 
three first-round picks next year for Auburn is not out of the question. Yeah, and I, I really think that JT Thor will take that next step next year. On the other side of the break, we're going to look at the NBA. The NBA started back over Christmas break, so we haven't been able to give our takes about it. Nets, super team. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break on the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. And it's the scoreboard, WGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com. We welcome you back. Second half of today's show, Bay Marks, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman, getting into the NBA discussion of the hour. If you want to call in, call in at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Oh, man, where to start with the NBA? Like Jacob said before the break, we haven't been on air since the NBA started this season. Uh, one of the shortest off-seasons we've had in a very, very long time with the bubble concluding. I think it was like a, how long of a turn on? Like a month and a half, maybe? Like 40-something days? Yeah. It was like crazy. 40 or 50 days. Yeah, it wasn't a long time at all. Um, but regardless, the NBA is back. They are not in a bubble. They are all back in arenas, um, socially trying to socially distance as much as possible with masks and everything. Um, I believe there's a new rule out too now where arena security at midcourt is supposed to prevent pre and post game hugs. They are because, like I said, all the postponements. I mean, NBA is kind of getting wrecked by COVID right now, so they're doing anything to prevent. Any kind of transmission. And the bubble was crazy. Like, they did a great job with the bubble. Um, now, outside of the bubble? Hasn't been as good. No. But, to be fair, in their defense, the MLB and NBA or NFL have dealt with their fair share of COVID they cases have. and college football. So, we'll give them that. So, anyways, let's go with, obviously, the biggest headline that happened since we've been back over there, which literally just happened this past week. James Harden... Demands a trade a while back, starts to betray his teammates in the locker room, and finally gets traded away and gets traded to the Brooklyn Nets and teams up with Kyrie Irving and Katie Durant to create the NBA's newest big three. And what a dramatic locker room. I'm sure that'll be one day. Well, yeah, especially when you're losing to the Cavs by 12 and double overtime and Colin Sexton is beating them single. And you don't even have Darius Garland. Here's the thing. I think that this team is going to be good and fun to watch. I don't trust them in the playoffs. No. I just don't. I feel like in a seven-game series, you're going to be able to figure out how to lock this team up, even though you've got so many scoring options. I think, like, especially the Lakers. I don't think they're going to – I think Lakers would beat them in a five – I think they would beat them in five games, personally. Yeah, it's kind of shaky to tell. Um, now, of course, right now, that's easy to yeah. say because they have only played two games together. Yeah. Or, excuse me, they've only played one game together. To, uh, Harden and Kyrie's been game. gone. I'm, dude, I'm telling you. Kyrie, we already know everything about Kyrie. I mean, he's burning sage around the core. Everything that happened in Boston, randomly demanding a trade. He, he's nuts. He's he's Something's going on with him. He's he's not right. And then you have KD, who's already hungry for power. It's why he went and built a super team once, and he's trying to do it again. And then you have James Harden, who, I mean is demanding a trade and then is just being an absolute jerk to his teammates. And then what, once he leaves, Boogie Cousins comes out and says stuff about him. is like he just wasn't – he was dragging us down. Like, I mean, that's just not the way to go about it. No, it's not. And, I mean, of course, he, he was really sentimental when he was writing letters and releasing statements and stuff about the city of Houston. He was even sentimental on the TNT broadcast after the game. Which I'm sure he does like Houston. I agree with that. I think it's just the management that he wasn't fond of. You're right, and because the fans truly uh, 
they loved him for those few years until I think the Rockets shot, they missed a ton of threes against the Warriors in that game seven. And I think that's kind of when things really, really turned sour. I really don't like right now I'm on the on the whole train of all right, this team's not gonna win it because the Lakers will stop them if it comes to it. But I'm not even sure they'll make it to the finals. But I could totally see them being dominant and figuring things out. They have the talent and they have the star part, and they have a brand new head coach in Steve Nash who knows a thing or two about the NBA. So I see them being able to do it. It's just it's not going to be instantaneous. It will take time. It won't be easy either. It will take time for the chemical reaction to set and take place. And now that the NBA is back to perfect balance, I mean, we went through that stretch back in the 2010s of, you know, the West was competitive and in the East all you had was whoever LeBron was playing for. And once LeBron left and went to the Lakers, balance kind of went back over to the East. And now we have a balanced NBA. Um, and we saw the game that, KD and Harden played the other night against the Bucks, pulling out that win. I feel like those are going to be the kinds of games down the stretch that they're going to have to win to prove themselves in the playoffs and in the conference finals to get to the NBA championship. But Yeah, I'm not as concerned about the Cavs game last night as I would have been concerned if they had fallen apart at the end of the Bucks game. Oh, no, I, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Because, I mean, just what Colin Sexton did was really incredible. It was. That was a, a career performance. So, I agree. I would, I'd be more concerned if they collapse against Milwaukee but you can't ignore the way Milwaukee has played this season as well as the way the 76ers have played with Doc Rivers so that's definitely gonna be the gauntlet that they'll have to run through uh, over in the east but over on the west side of the NBA the Clippers going seven and three in their last 10 games are tied with the Lakers at first place at 11 and four closely fall behind the Jazz at 10 and four and then everybody kind of falls in the mix after them um and I think it's kind of obvious everybody's pick for the NBA championship this year is the Lakers again because not only did they retain LeBron and AD, but they also get Montrez Harrell and Mark Gasol and Dennis Schroeder. Gasol has been really good. They, yeah. I mean, he has been really good. Let me pull up his stats, but I think that he's going to be the difference maker for them where you know you can't just easily be like, all right, let's figure out LeBron and AD and we'll beat them. But, I mean, you've got... Marcus Saul, he's only averaging 4.5 points per game, but he's grabbing 4.7 rebounds per game, two assists per game. I mean, if you need a spark plug, if you're the Lakers, he's the guy you're going to bring off the bench. I think he has been starting, actually. And, and who else did we mention, though, that they needed when they were going through the playoffs? They needed a uh, one or two guard. Yeah. And they went and got it in Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, and, and Schroeder, he's... Statistically, he's doing fine. But, I don't know, sometimes I just... I. I haven't always been a love. I was in love with him when he was the Hawks, but ever since he left, I don't know what it is about him. You think he's regressed a little bit, not too much, but I think he fits with the Lakers well. But I just, I don't know if he is going to be the key difference maker when it comes to playoff. I can time. see that. I can see him having a few big games and winning games for the Lakers, but I don't know if he like the whole playoffs is going to be that guy. No, and I mean, and that's a fair argument. And then you have to look over at the Clippers, who, like I said, they've been playing very well lately. They're on a five-game win streak. They're eleven and four, tied for first uh, in the West. And I think they actually had the tiebreaker. I think they beat the Lakers uh, first game of the year. They did, and you know, Kawhi's been playing great. Paul George, I think he's kind of on a revenge tour after how he went out last year. Um, so it's definitely going to be the Clippers and the Lakers in the West. I don't think there's any question about that. So. That's where we stand with the NBA right now. The West is kind of the Clippers, Lakers, and Jazz with everybody else falling behind. And the newfound thunderous uh, power 
and Brooklyn for the East. So that's kind of where the NBA is at right now. Before we go to break, though, when we left, we had just got done talking about Isaac Okoro being drafted fifth overall by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I believe you were wanting to really touch on this before we went to break, too. Yeah, because it's we talked about this also before the show about how LaMelo Ball is probably going to win. Rookie of the Year. Sadly, because and, he throws up 33s a game. Yeah, and you you had read something about where someone said, I think Okoro deserves it. And, you know, he's not putting up the flashiest stats as I pull them up, but he has an effect on games. He's won them. He won that. He had that preseason game that he literally won had a with game great defense and a layup. But then in the regular season, he won with that. Uh, he, he had that block that saved their lead, and then he had a backdoor cut dunk it was similar to the one against LSU a little less powerful but it was the same exact type deal and I don't know I just see him being now this is kind of where you get into the whole what does an MVP mean are they actually the most valuable player is it the best player yada 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 that's kind of what I'm getting to is that he is so valuable to this team and I really think that he can continue to improve I mean, right now, he is averaging 8.6 points per game, 2.2 rebounds per game, 2.2 assists per game, and at 1.1 steals per game. I think his biggest issue is sometimes he gets in a little bit of foul trouble. Yeah, I, We saw that in a few games in the preseason, and as of late, I mean, he's only shooting 40%. He is shooting from the three much better than I think everyone expected. 33%. And I think that's the big thing was coming into the NBA, his – his concern was the offensive side of the ball. Well, he's averaging almost nine points a game. He's helping move the ball around. He's playing that three or four spot, stretch four, small three, or big three, excuse me. And the tweet I, that you were referenced to, referencing to a minute ago, um, the, the reasoning behind that was, I, I don't know who it was. If I knew who it was, I'd give them credit. But it was something to the extent of, like, Isaac Okoro has had more of an impact on his all, all around on his team than any rookie has had so far. We were talking about earlier. Anthony Edwards, his team's at the bottom of the of the division. Uh, Ball, he's very offensive. His defense lacks. James Wiseman's still trying to figure out his place. So you really look at these top four or five-ish picks, and Isaac really kind of sticks out like a sore thumb to you, but in a good way. So um, And then what really stinks is that you can't, Really look at his defensive ability statistically, other, unless he's, other than steals and blocks. But yeah. I no, I understand that's more of a not a statistic impact, but it's more of an eye impact. Yeah, I agree, and that's that's what he said. They asked him about his defense, and he was like, "I'm just looking forward to guarding the best player on every team." He was guarding Kyrie last night at one point, right? So I I think that Isaac is going to continue to improve, and I think his statistics will start to improve as his game improves. Well, let's hope so is the number five overall pick. We'll see how he pans out in the NBA. We'll give more updates on him as the season progresses. Last segment of the hour, NFL playoffs, NFC and AFC championship, and a birthday shout-out on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. This is the scoreboard, WEGL. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Final segment of the hour. This is the scoreboard WGL 91.1 FM. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman coming with you for the last few minutes here on today's show. We talked about Brian Harson and Auburn football's new coaching staff. We talked to you about Isaac Okoro, the state of the NBA. And we also talked to you about Shreve Cooper and the Auburn Tigers and the Auburn men's basketball team. 
Uh, and we also mentioned the fact that we have a brand new board in today's studio. Like I was saying, Kansas City hosting Buffalo, and then Green Bay is going to be hosting Tampa Bay. My Green Bay Packers. Um, personally, my thoughts on this game, while Jacob gets the phone figured out, is the fact that we have already played Tampa Bay this season. That's correct. Green Bay went down to Florida, played Tampa Bay in what is going to be the Super Bowl stadium this year, and they did not fare as well as you would have hoped to if you were a Green Bay fan like me. Green Bay had gotten off to a great start, and then, like I was mentioning with the New Orleans game just now with Tampa Bay, their defense really kind of just took over. Tampa Bay won that game by 28 points, which is kind of unheard of in the National Football League, and won 38-10. to 10. Um, And that defense, like I was mentioning, was on display last week. So Moving on to the championship Sunday we've got. I was just talking about Tampa Bay's defense. Yeah, Tampa Bay's defense. It's solid. It's got those Auburn corners, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis. Exactly. They've got a bunch of other guys. Murphy as well. It's going to be tough for Aaron Rodgers to try and figure out that defense. But I do think that he's going to have the advantage in the freezing cold up in Green Bay. Now, when it comes to the offense for Tampa Bay, they're not going to be at such a disadvantage because they've got Tom Brady, former New England Patriot quarterback for a decade and a half. So That's why I was really wanting Drew Brees. I think he's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting, and especially because when Green Bay played earlier this year against the Bucks, it was in Tampa. So the entire Tampa squad, used to the warmer weather, used to, you know, not being freezing cold. And that's why it was so big for the Packers in Week 17 to get that home field advantage when they beat the Bears was because you saw it when L.A. went to Green Bay last week. That defense did not look like the same L.A. Rams defense that it had been all year with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Hey, you remember what we said earlier in the NFL season? The Rams are frauds. Hey, now, they are. Look, it might they have are. taken... Until the divisional round of the playoffs to prove it. But they're frauds. The way I look at it is we were the ones that exposed it. I think you're right. Even though so. every time we said they were frauds, they won. And every time we were like, you know what? We're going to pick they're them good. they lost. They lose. Yeah. Just, it finally happened. Just, so, just putting it out there. So you have that. And then you move over. And like I was mentioning while we were working on the technical difficulties was anything can happen. And the like, Chiefs pulled it out. Like like, like uh, a backup pa- quarterback coming in for the MVP. Or Patrick Mahomes getting a concussion and come back, coming back in seven days somehow. I th- Okay, this is my theory. I don't think it was a concussion. I think he went through concussion protocol. I think he got choked out on the tackle. So what I read was something about the it's like some sinus thing where like you get hit so hard that it's kind of like it's almost like there's a sensor in your body that like that sensor got knocked loose for him. So he was just kind of like, whoa. He just like he knew where he was, but like he just like like it's like his balance was lost. It's yeah. kind of like I think there's something with like your ear or something. Like your equilibrium or like yeah, your balance. Exactly. Yeah. It's not that. It has something to do with like something. I forget what it was called. Science. I, exactly. I I'm I or didn't come to majors. I didn't come to school for this. But point being is it wasn't a concussion. So So he should be back, is what I'm hearing. And if that's the case, it's gonna be a very fun matchup between two young quarterbacks with him and the bazooka of an arm, Josh Allen. Look, as someone who is circling the wagons. Who's been circling the wagon since the end of the regular season? Somebody who's circled the wagon since we predicted him to win the division. Exactly. I'm glad that the Bills will have a chance to beat the Chiefs at full strength. So, and I think this matchup is going to be fun for everybody to watch because America loves the Bills and America loves Andy Reid and the Chiefs right. and Patrick Mahomes. So there's really not going to be a loser to this game. Um, obviously, there's a loser because one team doesn't go to the Super Bowl. But point being, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Two young quarterbacks, like I was mentioning. Patrick Mahomes coming off his MVP season is kind of in the running for MVP right now. I think it's going to go to Aaron Rodgers, hopefully. And then you have Josh Allen, who Buffalo's back. 
that's a city who's been dying for some great football for decades, ever since they went to the Super Bowl and couldn't pull it out. Four so, times in a row. Hey, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> so, in Arrowhead, it's going to be a Sunday night game. It's going to be fun. I think regardless of what you get, this is four teams. All four of them have really great offenses. Two of their defenses are really good, and then the other two are pretty average, in my opinion. So, with that being said, we only have two minutes left in the show. Give me your prediction on who moves to the Super Bowl. So, my Super Bowl is the Packers and the Bills. I think that the Packers are... I. I don't know if either okay, I'm picking the Bills, so of course the Chiefs aren't gonna cover. But I don't think the Packers will cover. I think it's a one or two point game. I okay, we were talking about that before the show. I'm picking the Packers, obviously. It's my team. I'm very hesitant because of how bad we played, like I was talking about earlier against them earlier this year. And I love Josh Allen too, but I also love Patrick Mahomes. Especially I think if this game was in Buffalo, I'd pick the Bills. But I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I think it's gonna be a Chiefs Packers Super Bowl. I won't give you my prediction yet, but not gonna look too far ahead. So <laughs> um and we also talk about this. Me and Jacob, if if it ends up being a Packers Bill Super Bowl, me and Jacob are going to come up with some kind of friendly bet. Yeah, because I've picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl since before the playoffs, so I, I'm stuck with them until they until they're knocked out. And of course, baby, and a Packers fan, he he's with the Packers. So I Jacob said as long as he doesn't have to eat old cheese. Yeah, I said that's fine. See, a perfect bet would have been Bay has to eat like buffalo, super wings. hot buffalo wings. But I don't know if there's really any kind of cheese other than rotten cheese. For me I, to eat, I don't and know. I'm not doing that. We won't do that. I, I can go, I can I can do some research. See, there's some kind of nasty cheese that won't you know kill you. Yeah, it won't kill me. We've had some we've had some friendly sports bets here, especially through the extra point on Weagle, and we'll we'll <laughs> we'll create our own track record here on the scoreboard. But um, that's our Super Bowl prediction. So hopefully, and I'm I'm saying this hopefully, hopefully the next time we have a show, we're talking more about how the Packers are going to be in the game. I I just need the Bills because it's a two week break, Thumb right? Years. Yeah. So to be break. There's a Pro Bowl celebration next Sunday. Well, that's going to do it for the scoreboard for this week. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We will be back next Thursday, 4 o'clock as always. You can catch the recording on any podcast platform. We will edit that and put it up right after this show. Thank you for joining us. Happy birthday to Daniel and happy birthday to my Mimi as well. And happy one day late birthday to my sister. See you all next week. Point one FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.